Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, but of course, it probably isn't. The second act is called the turn. He's obsessed with discovering your method. The magician makes this ordinary something do something extraordinary. Huh. Now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it. That's why there's a third act called The Crooked Table Podcast, where we discuss the world of film from a fresh angle. And now your host, Robert Yanis Jr. Welcome to The Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. On this show, we democratize the film criticism conversation by bringing on fans and critics alike to dig into their personal connection to a current or classic release. But April Fools, this time we're not doing that. This time it's more or less a uh, an April 1st free-for-all, and who better to come on the show and act a fool with me than the famous Ashley Grant. Welcome back to the show. I resemble that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the April part, the fool part, the famous part? There's a lot of adjectives that just got thrown out. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you were on here last, I think Fight Club was the last time we did. That was like nine months ago, but feels like about 15 years considering everything that's happening right now. Uh, So how are, for the people that are listening and are happy to have you back on the show, how are you coping with uh, the world right now? You know, just staying at home and washing my hands. And of course, you know, washing my hands to the point that I need some moisturizer. But other than that, doing pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck finding any uh, hygiene or toiletry or any kind of personal products in stores. Well, luckily, I went to Bath and Body Works and got one of their like, what is it, seven for twenty seven dollars or whatever it is. I got like a crap ton of bottles, so I'm I'm good on on moisturizer, but don't ask me about anything related to toilet paper or uh, hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I was at the store this morning. I made a rare uh, outside of our house trek to uh, the grocery store in the morning when it was less crowded, so I could you know have a couple of meter sticks out in front of me to make sure no one was within uh, coughing distance or spitting to any kind of droplets basically. And, uh, and yeah, there was completely cleaned out, like totally empty. It's, 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 it, it's a little scary because it, in some regards, it does feel like a little bit of a pre-apocalypse, not a post-apocalypse, but like the flashback in movies like I am legend or 28 days later where you're like, Oh, this is when everything was going kind of okay, but starting to turn. And it feels like we're living in that time a little bit right now. Yeah, it is definitely a little bit eerie. And I mean, it's insane the way that people are hoarding supplies and the, and that everything is is empty on the shelves, like you said. I mean, my husband even went to Sam's Club this morning and he was there, you know, 30 minutes before they opened and they already had a line wrapped around the building. Yeah. So it's it's pretty insane out there. Yeah, it is. It is. But we encourage people, stop hoarding stuff, just buy what you need. The stores are restocking and eventually, you know, Amazon will, will not take three weeks to get you an essential product. Uh, and everything will sort of level out. We'll see. I'm mean, obviously it's going to get worse before it gets better, but you know, luckily for people like you and I, Ashley, we're working remote anyway. So we just see a little less of the world, but not complete like night and day. Like it is for a lot of people. Yeah. But I miss actually complaining about being around people right now. <laughs> I do too. And I'm a, I'm as introverted as, as can be, but even I'm like, uh, I miss like 
people and like places. And, you know, that was not normally my, uh, my personality type. I, I think I mostly remember miss go- <laughs> going to Starbucks and sitting there inside. And I miss going to movies and, uh, and things like that. Like we used to go out to eat a lot too. Now it's just, you know, pick up delivery, that kind of thing every once in a while, which is not nearly as much fun. Even, even, you know, Kai and my daughter are, are even she's like, I don't want to go home. <laughs> I want to go out somewhere. And I'm like, I know, honey, nothing's open. <laughs> it's just the way it is right now. Yeah, it's insane. I, I have I've cooked more meals and washed more dishes than I think I ever have in my entire life. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. So, you know, you also had something else going on that's been keeping you busy. So tell people I hear on the interwebs, you have a, a new podcast venture coming up. Yes, I've been talking about launching a show forever. And I thought, you know what, what better time than to go ahead and, and do something that requires I stay at home even longer. So yes, I am <laughs> finally launching my own show. Um, supposedly, we'll see how it goes. I've at least got one episode recorded. I don't know if it's going to turn into a big thing or if this is a one and done and then I turn into a hermit, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what was the, you know, as of this recording, according to what you told me right before we started recording, your first pilot episode will be up. So if people want to listen to that, would you want to tell people the name of the show, the general premise? And then, you know, how did the first recording go? Sure. The show is called The Bloggy Friends Show. And basically, it's going to be a celebration of the coolest things on the blogosphere. Um, everything from um, what happens after you launch. I don't I don't want to talk about how to launch a blog. There's plenty of information on that. But it's everything about after you launch, like how to how the latest news can impact your blog revenue and your business, um, celebrating the amazing things that people are doing online already. The, the goal is to inspire, educate and connect um, with people that are already in the business and trying to make it a business. And so we'll see what happens. I think that's good, though, because uh, there's a million, as you know, a million podcasts. There's a million movie podcasts. I don't know why I started this one, to be honest. People <laughs> um, Fools, I love this podcast. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people to be like, wow, he's talking down to us. Uh, but I like that you, you know, you're focusing on that niche as far as, you know, bloggers is, is concerned, but also having, having a little more of a, a broader appeal to people just wanting to know uh, what bloggers do, what, what, you know, what the highlights of the blogosphere are and things out, th- out there. I think, you know, I think there's real potential there. And, and, you know, you have a, obviously a knack for this. We, that's the reason this is your third time on here. So, you know, you have a lot of, uh, a lot of personality and a lot to say about blogging specifically. So, you know, I think that uh, listeners definitely need to go and wherever you're listening to Crooked Table Podcast, go and uh, find the bloggy friends and support the famous Ashley Grant. Yes, bloggyfriends.com. And um, I'm planning on putting it on the the YouTubes as well. But uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm honestly very nervous. But, um, you know, at Podcast Movement, one of the things that kept being said is you've got to start ugly, like mm-hmm. just start anyway, everybody's going to hate their first episode anyway. So you might as well just go ahead and get out there and start learning and, and seeing, you know, what you're doing wrong, what your what your audience can connect with and, and kind of just go from there. So I'm powering through the fear and going to try it anyway. And if anything uh, goes wrong with it, I figure since it's launching on April 1st, if everyone hates it, I'll just say April Fool's and it wasn't real anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't. Andy Kaufman that like nope nope not really just performance this art this was a whole joke uh, thank you so <laughs> I'm really much committed for your to the bit yeah. and, <laughs> and be sure to tip your waitress <laughs> I will tell you once you get to the point where you start having guests and the like obviously I'm throwing my uh, fedora in the ring but also uh, 
make sure that you, because what really has tripped me up as listeners can go back and listen to some of the episodes in uh, our archive, even some more recent than I would like to admit, watch when you start using Skype, make sure you always have your audio settings correct because I've had a lot where I've recorded where my audio is coming from picking up from my computer and not my mic and therefore it sounds not so great. So there's a lot, it's the little technical things that will trip you up, I've noticed. Valuable advice. And P.S., you mentioned this is only my third time. Well, April Fool's again. This is my fourth time on your show. Is this really? What was the, okay, Fight Club and... Uh, confidence. Confidence, this one. And then was there another one I missed? There was another one, but it, it was so long ago, I honestly can't even remember oh, what we God, talked yeah. about. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Yeah, it was way back of this, but it was it, it, we it did happened. it more than more than more than three times. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I gotta look at this. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about doing. I think it came up on the last the last time you were on on Fight Club or around there. Some one of the previous episodes, one of the apparently three previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were talking about doing an April Fool's episode. So what is it specifically? You know about April Fools that kind of intrigues you. What are your what are your thoughts on uh, this unofficial holiday, as it were? I hate April Fool's Day. <laughs> okay, let's just let's call it like it is. I have hated I've, I've hated April Fool's Day ever since when I was like in high school and our local radio station said that NSYNC died. And at the time, I was a massive fan of you know, in sync. And so when they shared this news that, that all the members had died in a plane crash, I was freaking out. I, I, I was so upset and so been out of shape. And it wasn't until like an hour later that they're like, Oh, just kidding. April fools. And ever since that time, I was like, I hate April fools because those kinds of jokes and those kinds of things, like anybody who makes it a really sinister holiday, I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I prefer like kind of transitioning into what we actually are talking about today. I prefer illusions over mean pranks. <laughs> yeah. I don't like mean spiritedness in general or anything that, that comes across as shocking or jarring in, you know, in movies, it depends, you know, I like thrillers and horror movies and things like that. That's different, but something that's coming like in your face, like messing with uh, people's lives like, oh, this person's got cancer. Nope, just playing. I'm like, that's not funny. You don't joke about that kind of thing. Yeah, it's not funny at all. And no, it's like I, if, if it's going to if it's going to make someone mad, like to the point that they're like, I'm boycotting this show, then what the hell is the point? Like, why are we even why are we even trying to pass this off as something funny? Right, exactly. And as a writer, you know, who's into entertainment, my big ex- my big exposure to April Fool's Day is usually online where every entertainment site posts like a ridiculous story, like they're rebooting Lost or something really out of left uh, out of left field. Uh, and even that kind of frustrates me because I always fall for it at least once or twice. Where I'm like, what's really, what's happening? And and then you click into it and it's just, you know, an April Fool's graphic. Uh, what are your thoughts about those kinds of things? Do you find them fun or you do you like, ah, why are you messing with me? I mean, some of them are fun. Like whenever Chick-fil-A did the announcement that they were going to start serving cheeseburgers. That was funny. That one was, that one was funny, you know, but like some of the ones that are just believable enough that you're, afraid that it is not a joke that's the ones i can't stand right right so do you do you feel like it's at all sort of a a leap from pranks to magic illusions like how do you how did you get there from that from one concept to the other because i initially when you brought that up i was thinking pranks that's a little bit different than illusions but how do you how do you connect the two for people that are like well that doesn't really seem april fools ish 
Well, to me, I mean, the whole point of a prank is is to fool someone. Right. So an illusion is fooling someone. You're making someone believe something that's not true. So if if we're pulling a rabbit out of a hat or or you know making the bunny disappear, you're you're being pranked into believing that what your eyes are seeing is legit. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I think the difference too is also that with illusions, people are in on it. You know what I mean? You're not trying to. You're, you're, you're trying to amaze someone by look at what I'm going to do something that you're not going to believe is real right in front of you, as opposed to I'm going to pull off some random prank behind your back and you're not going to understand it's a prank until afterwards. You know, I think that's part of it, too. It's the inclusivity of, of an illusion or a magic trick is that you you go to a magic show or you watch a, a, a film about magic, which we'll talk about some of those in, in a minute here. Uh, you go to it expecting to be for the person on stage to try and fool you as opposed to having the wool pulled over your eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I love the way you put that, that the audience is in on it and the respect that they went into it willingly. The, the pranks where you're not going into it willingly, I can't stand those. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That makes sense. Uh, so we wanted to talk about, as obviously this is a film podcast, we wanted to talk about some of our, our favorite movies about magic or you know, we in our in our chat about this episode, we broadened it out a little more to include witches as well. So, what are I guess I'll let you throw out your first one, and then we'll kind of uh, take the conversation from there. Well, in part because there was a special over the weekend, got to start with Now You See Me. Um, I absolutely love the Now You See Me one and two. Uh, can't stand the fact that they didn't have Isla Fisher in number two, but whatever, she had to go and have a baby or whatever. Lame. But um, but yeah, I love I love those two movies absolutely. Those th- those are like two of my favorites for illusion movies. Does it frustrate you at all that the the heavy use of CG in those movies, specifically? I haven't actually seen the second one, but specifically in the first one, a lot of those illusions, there's like a lot of CG involved, and they. From what I understand, they could have pulled that off practically, and I feel like it undermines the the amazement factor of it a little bit. Oh, whatever. I loved it anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I enjoyed it because, I mean, the fact that you had to think about how they could possibly do it right. legit made it more fun for me. But the but actually getting to see all of the the elements come to life, even if they weren't real, that just that pulled me into the illusion, man. <laughs> Plus, it's it's, the, it's also a just a fun mashup of genres too. It's the magic movie and the heist movie kind of put together. It's it's an Ocean's Eleven, but with card tricks and stuff. Right, and you already know based on our confidence episode that I love That's anything true. heist related. Yeah, there's a theme here <laughs> happening exactly. Plus, both uh, Fight Club and Now You See Me have very memorable and notable twists. Yes, as well. I swear, I think I was a criminal in another life. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's That's for another story, though. Another episode. (laughs) Well, no. Now you opened it up. No, I'm just kidding. Ah, Um, that's funny. uh, So what about the sequel? What's what's going on with Now You See Me 2? Because like I said, I haven't seen that one. I know Harry Potter himself is in it. Yes, he actually is. And we're we're going to be talking about Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Um, I didn't even realize that. Like, duh, of course he's in it. Um, well, Now You See Me 2 is is kind of a continuation of, of Now You See Me 1. It's really not as good as the first. So if you enjoyed number one and you don't like the fact that Isla Fisher is not in number two, just don't see it. But um, it's just a continuation of the story. We learn more about the characters being part of the eye. Are you familiar with... Uh, hold on. Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> in Now You See Me 1, the, the, the goal is for the four, mag- four magicians to get into the eye, which is 
is this like exclusive elitist club of um, like the best magicians in the world, effectively. And so now you see me too is the continuation of that where they're they're in the eye now and now they're executing a mission for the eye. And they get swooped up into a situation where they're tricked into um, helping Daniel Radcliffe's character uh, do a different type of heist. <laughs> okay, intriguing. So yeah. you, you said there was a, a deal on this on Amazon, right? For I don't know if it's still going on. It might be over now. No, but. it's actually not anymore. I already looked. I was trying to rent it again because I wanted to to watch it again today it's just so I could be better prepared. But oh, well, we're just going to have to go with the fact that I watched it over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the deal is over, but it was um, it was 99 cents to, to watch it. And so I got one and two and, and just kind of binged because what else are we going to do? We couldn't exactly go out over the weekend. <laughs> oh, I know. God, it's, it's rough. Uh, so for my first choice, obviously, the first one i actually did a little bit of you know research or googling really of just being like what are the magic movies out there were there any ones that i'm missing and multiple lists had the prestige at number one and i was already obviously that was one of the first ones i thought of being a christopher nolan fan and uh, a fan of the actors in that movie christian bale and you Hugh jackman and the, what i think makes that movie so interesting is that it's structured like a magic trick they have Absolutely. the turn they have the i forget what the all the steps are but there's three uh three parts to the magic trick and there's three parts to the movie and it has that again that twist at the end kind of like now you see me uh in that well i'm not going to go into the twist but that that really uh makes changes the perception of the entire film and makes you have to go back and watch it a second time or see the illusion and uh performed again knowing how way it's done to understand it and uh, it's actually something I haven't seen as much as I would like. And I think that's because it is not necessarily challenging per se, but because it is structured like a magic trick, you have to be like present. You have to pay attention. You have to like kind of, it just kind of requires all your attention. You can't just casually watch really the prestige, which is why the last time Kai and I tried to watch it was when our daughter was really young and we were just not in the mindset. We were sleep deprived and all that. So we were not, not in the mindset to to give that movie our full attention or have the energy to think and pay attention to what was happening. But uh, just really great performances. And I think a lot of people actually consider that among Nolan's best films and one of his most underrated ones uh, coming as it did between the first and second uh, Batman movies. So what was your what are your thoughts on The Prestige? I absolutely loved that movie. I really did. Um, and seeing Hugh Jackman in a in the character he was, I mean, he was almost part bad guy part good guy yeah. and it was just the way that the way that the whole story developed like it was it was humorous and yet like some parts of it were humorous some of it was um gut-wrenching some of it was heartbreaking some of it was oh who's who's gonna figure out what and it's like it kept you so gripped that I totally get what you were saying that if you're not paying attention to it from the beginning to the end you're like wait what did I just miss right and and I thought it was act out, acted out really well, and um, I do wish I had seen it again before before talking about it. But it it was a really great film. I absolutely loved it. It's also one of those too that it it's really almost as much about obsession as it and, and revenge and like all these really like fascinating dark themes as much as it is about magic. It's the magic is sort of the the world of and it's a period piece as well, which is always fun to watch. Uh, yes, the world of of. Uh, magic and illusion and the showmanship involved and all that is really just kind of in a way set dressing for these two men kind of locked into this rivalry and and their obsession the way they kind of almost 
destroy each other in some ways. And I think that's an interesting dynamic. Like, you know, people get so dead set on vengeance that it consumes them completely. And and there's actually another Hugh Jackman that sort of explores that called uh, Prisoners that I highly recommend people check out. That's really actually one of his best performances, in my opinion. So uh, what did you have for your next pick? I know I said that I wanted to talk about Prestige. Oh, yeah, The Illusionist. Oh, my goodness. How did, of all movies to not remember, Edward Norton in The Illusionist, um, Paul Giamatti in it as well. Uh, another great film, another period piece. Uh, Jessica Biel's in it, and it's it's a great story. I mean, another one about, a well, I mean, it's literally called The Illusionist, but pulling an illusion that is just so far-fetched, but yet you get it <laughs> as soon as you get to the end of the movie. Like, how much do you want me to go into it? Because I I, I know I kind of gave a little bit of a spoiler right now you see me. But, I mean, these, this was a 2006 film. So, is it really called a spoiler at that not point? Not really. Not on this podcast, at least. Go for it. Oh, God. All right. So, basically, it's uh, turn-of-the-century Vienna. I'm just going to read you the, the fandom uh, plot of it. Uh, turn-of-the-century Vienna, a magician uses his abilities to secure the love of a woman far above his social standing. So um, we have Edward Norton. He is the illusionist, and he's in love with someone that's completely out of his league. And so basically, the only way that he can have her is to fake her death. And that's how he gets her, <laughs> is he makes it look like she is dead, and then they run away together. Sounds like totally normal courtship. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, I actually did see that uh, back in the day. And I, I know it was, it's often sort of coupled with the prestige because they came out, I think, like either the same year or like, yeah, I think the same year. So it's one of those like twin movie things, like the Dante's Peak and Volcano that a lot of people are it's like the prestige and the illusionist came out like within or White a, House down and Olympus has right. fallen. <laughs> yeah, there's a like, that's a whole other topic of conversation. Uh, yes. Bugs Life and Ants, Armageddon Deep Impact. Those. Yeah, obviously. Oh, my goodness. Next episode for Ashley to be on. I'm there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have the habit right, of sort of teasing your next released. episode. They were both released in 2006. Yeah. See, I, How thought about so. that? I thought so. Yeah. So I actually saw that uh, when it came on. I guess it was DVD still at that point uh, when they came on DVD and uh, and I remember I remember sort of enjoying it, but not as much as the prestige, but I actually haven't seen it since then. So that's definitely due for a revisit. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I've always loved Paul Giamatti ever since I saw him in Sideways. I'm like, OK, just about anything that he's in, I want to give it a shot because I love him as an actor. Right. He's the, basically the antagonist of that movie, isn't he? Um, I thought he was the detective. Yeah, but he's yeah, but he's like the. I guess the villain since Edward Norton's kind of the main character, right? Yeah. I mean, he's like one of the villains, the other yeah. villain, of course, being the person that, um, Jessica Biel's character is married to that we're right. trying to get her away from <laughs> Right, against her will, or I forget now. Oh my goodness. I'm pretty sure it was against her will. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hashtag me too for uh, the illusionist. Jesus. <laughs> what? I said, hashtag me too for the illusionist. Seriously. Yeah. Because I mean, come on, if you don't want to be with someone, can't you just let them go? Do you have to try to kill them? <laughs> it's true. That's true. Even the going into magic and stuff, obviously, the even the genie from Aladdin is like, I can't make anyone fall in love with anyone else. So I mean, you think Edward Norton would know that, isn't it? It's like his magical code or isn't there like a code of ethics for for wizards or something? I don't know. Well, at least in this case, Jessica Biel actually did like Edward Norton, that wanted helps. to be with him. <laughs> or was that a spell? We don't even know. See, everything's ah, cast into funny. doubt. April Fools. Maybe she wasn't. Changes the way you look at the movie now, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I ruined it. Um, maybe, uh, maybe this one will help. So I actually 
in my research came across this uh, another movie about magic that I didn't initially sort of think about as a magic movie, mm-hmm. but they had included it in there. And, and and after considering it for a minute, I was like, I guess it kind of is about magic. So the movie is uh, from 2000. Jeez, what is that? 2011, 12 is uh, Martin Scorsese's Hugo, which is kind of about magic because 2011 because the main character not the main character but there's a character in it called, played by ben kingsley who is a magician he's like a kind of a street magician in the movie and it's revealed throughout the course of the film it's sort of set up as a mystery that the little boy Hugo discovers that he was this famous movie director back in the day so it's really kind of about how he was a magician ben kingsley's character and then turned that magic onto uh you know, onto film and kind of, it's really kind of about the magic of movies in a way. And, you know, Martin Scorsese being such a tremendous film historian, uh, it kind of, you know, dovetails into some of that and his own uh, attitude towards early cinema and that character that Ben Kingsley plays was a real person. So it's, it's based in in some sort of fact. Uh, But I thought that was a kind of an interesting way of looking at that movie. I, I wouldn't necessarily have thought of it as a movie about magic, but it is kind of about a magician who sees cinema as the ultimate magic trick and sort of shifts his career into that. And then, uh, kind of, you know, his, obviously his career falls. Eventually it's set, uh, decades after his heyday. And, um, you know, it's, I guess kind of about him being recognized for his contributions to the art form and that kind of thing. But that's a really interesting, you know, Oscar winning movie that, uh, if people haven't seen, I would recommend going to see that. I know last year, or was this this year? I guess it was last year. It feels like the last month has been about seven years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> last year, when Martin Scorsese made that, you know, the, the comment about Marvel movies being like theme park rides, um, which I don't necessarily agree with. I mean, I understand to a certain degree his point. A lot of people, Marvel fanboys, were just kind of throwing his face. Well, well, you'd make his mobster movies, and it's he doesn't really. He does a lot of other things besides that. So people that are sort of giving Martin Scorsese short shrift, I would recommend them check out uh, Hugo. Uh, from 2011. I think it used to be on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's streaming anymore. Uh, Ashley, is that a film that you have ever seen or sounds no, interesting I was or not? Ju- I was just adding it to my cart. I have not I have not seen that film, but it actually sounds really good. But it, the way that you were describing it, it you, you put up a really good point. Isn't every movie we've ever seen an illusion? <laughs> it, it takes us apart from, from the real world and, in, and immerses us into a, a new space. We get two and a half to, or two to two and a half hours just completely away from the real world and we just get to enjoy the magic of the film yeah yeah i agree with that 100 percent, and that's why i think yugo really kind of crystallizes it because it's a it's a a big you know a big movie it was it was released in 3d it costs like according to wikipedia which obviously is not the most reliable source but 150 million and up so it's a big spectacle movie about the power of big big spectacle movies so it is it's kind of very meta in that way uh, and yes, it is streaming on Netflix for people that want to check that out. Um, so you go to Netflix and watch it. Yeah, so go to Netflix and watch <laughs> Yugo, please. Yugo, right now. You go to Netflix after you finish this episode. <laughs> you, you go, go to watch Yugo. Yugo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's 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 a good point. I mean, I, even documentaries to a degree. Every uh, This weekend, everybody's talking about Tiger King this past oh my weekend God. on Netflix, which I haven't seen because I'm not as much of a TV person. And as I mentioned, I have a three-year-old, so I don't have a lot of time to watch as much as I would like. Uh, that's Even that is a kind of quasi-docu-series. And even that is an illusion to a degree, because you're getting the story that 
the filmmaker wants to tell you, regardless of how much of it is true. Things are being framed a certain way. So even that has a level of illusion uh, oh, yeah, as well. If you ask Carol Baskin, she'll tell you it was an April Fool's joke because <laughs> she thought she was being interviewed to talk about one thing. And then they painted her as a person who fed her husband to the tigers. Right. I heard about that. So have you watched this or are you just reading? About Absolutely it? not. Not yet. Anyway, <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't quite reached that level of quarantine where I'm that desperate. Not yet. Well, it's also, it's, it's like with all the Netflix stuff, and this now we're going on a little bit of a tangent, but that's what we do on this podcast sometimes. Yes. That's why, that's why, as I was telling you before the recording, these, we usually aim for an hour and it always goes over just because random stuff comes up. Um, it, it's just like every week there's something different that everybody's talking about and it's exhausting to just keep up with what everybody else is watching. I don't, you know, I wouldn't, if I did that, I wouldn't have the time to watch the things that I actually wanted to watch. So it's just like, it feels like a vicious cycle of if you get caught up in watching the show or movie of the moment, as opposed yeah. to following your own interests, it's like, you'll never, you'll, you'll, you just won't have a life, you know? And I think, I guess quarantine gives you an opportunity to do that. But you know, even, even now at this point, I would rather, I just did an episode on eight and a half, which is a, uh, an Italian film from 1963, really like one of the most one of the uh, most acclaimed movies ever made that I never had seen. So I'd rather catch up with more movies like that than, uh, than watch Tiger King. But, uh, you know, I, I am kind of curious about the story behind it. So I guess it's it's worth at least a, a Wikipedia dive after this episode or something. Yeah, I don't know how willing I am to jump into that one, especially since right now my current my current binge uh, a series that I'm obsessed with right now is The Mentalist. <laughs> oh, nice. Isn't there like a bazillion seasons of that, too? There's seven seasons. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you go. People check out you go on Netflix. You go to Netflix. And uh, Ashley, do you have uh, another choice? Well, if we're starting to talk about, um, you know, more magic and, and we did mention witches, I, I have to bring up the craft because I love the glamour spell that they do in the craft, um, which is basically an illusion, a prank where they change hair color or they change their entire body. I mean, we have the scene in, in the craft. If you're not familiar with the movie, the craft, it's about four women who are who are witches. They come together to form a coven. Um, they're in high school and uh, but they're they're much older than your average high school girls, apparently because you know come on they were they were like in their 20s when they filmed this for crying out loud but classic um, like 25 year olds playing 17 right like what was it Uh, olivia newton john was like almost 40 when she played 17 year old sandy come on but uh but anyway so they're in high school they're um they're witches that are in a coven together and whenever they are starting to play around with magic and, and learn about the different spells that they can do um one of the spells is called the glamour spell and there's a scene where nancy who's supposed to be the leader of the coven she uh does this glamour spell and transforms her entire body into the body of um one of the other witches so that she can trick um a love interest into sleeping with her <laughs> nice yeah i actually this is another one that i did see uh not when it came out because i wasn't interested in it when it came out i actually saw it when kai showed me this because this is another movie from the 90s that she really liked uh so yeah so i'm familiar with it but not as much as i ordinarily would be I yeah guess. i wasn't allowed to watch it in high school because I, you know at the time i was uh more of a, a good Christian girl who wasn't supposed to talk about witchcraft. <laughs> right. And this is all, and this was framed as like super goth. They're all in black with lots of makeup. The poster is iconic with yeah. the, you know, the dark clouds and the lightning and all that stuff. They are, I'm, I'm sorry to inform you if you didn't know already, they are working on a reboot of this. 
Oh, God. How that will work exactly, I don't know. Because this. Oh, tell me this is an April Fool's joke. Come I on. wish it was. Uh, <laughs> if, it, if it is, then, then uh, Blumhouse Productions, which, you know, they've done a, b- a bazillion movies, including The Invisible Man, that's uh, out now on digital because the movie theaters are out of commission. I would definitely recommend people check that out. Uh, they're really committed to this April Fool's joke, <laughs> if that's the case. Um, but yeah, so it feels like one of those things that's so 90s that making it now just you know is already a huge mistake like there is no way to really update that but then again they have a sabrina show on netflix that was a huge 90s thing sabrina the teenage witch if we're gonna go into 90s witches so um but we'll yeah, see but the sabrina series that uh, of today is very different yeah. than our melissa joan hart you know which, uh, pop culture version which it makes is me dark, wonder how the craft you is gonna what? be different how the craft is going to be different. Like, are they going to like lighten the tone? Are they going to, how are they, how are they going to, they're going to wear that? pink, like legally blonde. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like mean girls, but with magic probably. Yeah. <laughs> mean girls, but make it illusion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mean magic girls. Mean magic girls. I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> there you go. Blumhouse. You could send your check, uh, to the cricket table. Productions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I can't stop laughing now the craft hmm well <laughs> since i feel like i had a bunch of witch ones that i could bring up uh i'm trying to veer away mostly well mostly away from like full-on fantasy worlds so obviously things like stardust which is a great movie uh obviously the wizard of oz and uh in movies that are like full-on like in a fantastical world I was, i'm trying to sort of veer away from because i feel like that's not only just a magic movie that's just a fantasy movie like the whole the whole everything about it is magic. You know what I mean? It's not magic in our world. Uh, right. A shout out to Return to Oz for like uh, traumatizing me as a child, too. So I'm going <laughs> to go since we're sticking with 90s uh, witches. Well, first of all, I want to mention The Witches from I guess it's ni- 1990 or 1989. Like it's right on the cusp there at 90, uh, which I hadn't seen until uh, I think a few years ago. And it's actually really creepy. I mean, I'm 30 something year old man and it was it's actually really well done and they're doing a remake reboot whatever of that too with uh Anne Hathaway is put in the Angelica Houston role I don't know how that's gonna go but that well, I mean that, at least Anne Hathaway's a good actress she but is. I mean can can Hollywood please come up with a new idea do we have to <sighs> remake everything <laughs> seriously it's it's kind of frustrating at this point and the industry is obviously suffering as a result I mean most of the things we're talking about are either you know, spawning sequels, remakes, reboots, or what have you. And uh, The Witches is no exception. But it's also the practical effects that they do in that movie, the makeup and like the stop motion and that kind of the puppetry involved is really cool. And it's it's an art form that's kind of lost today. And I have a another witch one that I want to bring up, but I wanted to see if you wanted to throw another one out first. Do you no, have any more? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll stick with 90s witches and I have to bring up Hocus Pocus. Because oh hell yeah that it's classic movie and they are working on a sequel for that but I think that they're gonna try and bring the original people back it's it's unclear right now I hope if they, well I mean all three of the characters said that they're in yeah that like, they, they've is like said very, it multiple times yeah, and and it. so what are we waiting for come on Hollywood get it together right plus they're wearing lots of makeup and hair so you don't even necessarily have to like set it much later because obviously the actresses have aged you can just kind of doll them up to in the characters and then those outfits more and pretend pretend that not as much time has passed if they decide to go that route it, it's unclear uh how that how they're gonna work that but that movie was just like 
it's one of the go-to, I think, family-friendly Halloween movies that I, I watched a lot as a kid. And um, it's it's just the whole tone of it. Like everything, it, it used that line perfectly. So just like something like The Witches or Return to Oz, where it's scary enough for kids, but not like traumatized. Well, Return to the Oz was traumatizing, but like it's <laughs> it's scary in like a kid way. But then when you grow up and you watch it, you look back, it still holds up. And even the scary, air quote, scary elements are just, they're more like fun, spooky. I'm always telling to my daughter when we're walking around like on a Target, like around Halloween or whatever, and all the all the decorations there, like I'd, I don't want her to be like grow up and be like super scared and jumpy with every little thing. So I go over to her, I show her like, you know, the decorations, like, look, honey, look, it just, it's a, it's a, you know, it's just a decoration. It's spooky. It's fake or whatever. Um, and I think there's that, there's that fun element of Halloween where it's not gory and it's not like, um, it's not grotesque or overdone, but it, it's the, the scares air quote, Disney scares are there enough that when you're a little kid, it's really effective. And when you're grown up, you can, it's still you can still watch it without feeling embarrassed or or anything like that what are clearly you got all excited when i brought up hocus pocus but your what are your thoughts on hocus pocus oh i absolutely love it and and when one of the words i learned last year that was like going viral was spoopy um and it's internet slang that it's that stands for something that is spooky but also comical or cute yeah and and that's actually my favorite types of illusions or pranks is ones that yeah okay it might make you jump for a second but you're still going to come away with it feeling lighthearted feeling good about it like you're not going to be upset after it's over right so and that's definitely how i feel about hocus pocus i absolutely loved that movie i mean yeah there were elements of it that were just so ridiculous but that's what made it fun and yeah okay there was a as a child there was a little bit of fear to it but it was done in such a way that I couldn't help but walk away singing there's a spell on you. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and um not only that, like that there's a lot of really kind of adult humor in there. There's a few lines that are very much like he's like, "Oh, I'm looking for what do you what, what can I what do you got? What do you like the bus driver I'm thinking. He's like, "Oh, what do you need? What do you what do you want? What are you looking for?" Or whatever. And he's like, I, I desire children. And he's like, oh, it might take me a couple of tries, but I'll, like, there's a lot of like, there's like sexual humor in this kid's movie. And, and yeah. it's, you know, props to Disney for slipping that through there because I feel like now kids, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, now kids' movies are so sanitized and safe that it's, it's either like Pixar, which is the one of the rare examples where they actually do not necessarily push the envelope as far as like, you know, sexual humor or anything that's inappropriate for kids, but like they challenge kids with their imagery, with their ideas by making them think and making them see things in a new way. Or like, so it's either like Pixar or Laika who did like Coraline movies like that, which are more are truer to the kinds of kids movies, you know, from the eighties and nineties, or it's like trolls <laughs> and sing and just like minions and shit like that. You know, I feel like there's no middle ground. It's, it, it's just, um, too many yeah, of they definitely had a lot more innuendo in, yeah. in the films of, of our childhood. But that's why, you know, today we're trying to figure out what uh, what Elsa's sexuality is. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> like, is, is she a lesbian? Is she not a lesbian? Well, we don't have any idea because they took away all the innuendo. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. It's like, just get some representation if you're going to do it. And Disney's been since we're on that topic, Disney's been really half assing that, too. Like every yeah. movie, they're like, it's our first gay in a, in a Disney or a Marvel or a Star Wars. And it's like, 
there's a there's because there was the whole big thing with the rise of skywalker which i talk about now way too often on this podcast for a movie that i ultimately don't think is really that good uh <laughs> even though it is star wars and i do love star wars and i did pre-order the blu-ray and i will watch it objectively it's not a very good movie so it's like not really super defensible um but their whole thing was that oh the first same sex uh you know whatever in in First LGBT representation in Star Wars, and it's like two women hug at the end for like literally a second or things like that. It's just that doesn't count nowadays, especially. It's like, come on. I mean, Marvel, I'll give them the whole uh, the scene in there's a scene in in, uh, Endgame that's more explicitly uh, someone who's gay and talking about going on a date and things like that. But anyway, we're going again on a tangent. That was before Disney owned it. Which one? The Marvel scene in Endgame. Yeah. They well, put that in before Disney owned it. So we still can't say that Disney's being honest about this kind of stuff. Well, that's, I mean, even like <laughs> going back to early Marvel, like the, our first Iron Man movie, he like straight up like hooks up with like reporters and it's like very innuendo. Like Iron Man is oh, like yeah, a player back in the day <laughs> drinking and like clearly like, you know, the playboy, what is the, the genius playboy, uh, genius billionaire, playboy philanthropist or whatever that he says in Avengers. Like, it's very obvious that he's like Iron Man fucks basically in, in, <laughs> in the first Iron Man. Like it's, I mean, and then once Disney really took over, it's just like, nope, he's a nice family man. He settles yeah, down. It's clean like, it up. Yeah, it's April like Fools, Mickey Mouse really is on top boy. of this. It's like we need to clean it up so we can put it in our and we can have an attraction with uh, Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. in it, and people won't be like, "Hey, that guy fucks to their kids," you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, yeah, it's just it's, I think we're really looking back. A lot of our our choices are like '90s, and I think you, you we're seeing how different these kinds of movies are today. Now, which in magic movies, for the most part, are either like too blockbustery, like um, what is that? Oz the Great and Powerful that's from a few several years ago, which is not really good either. Or like they're like just threw up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. <Sorry>. Or <laughs> well, that's the Oz is also one of those like bazillion uh fantasy, like Alice in Wonderland style, with all the like you were saying, all the CG stuff. Yeah, but at least Alice in Wonderland was a good movie. Yeah, it's okay. It's better than it's better than every like most of the movies that came after it that kind of aped the style, but it's either like that style magic fantasy thing, or it's like the witch, which I talked about on this podcast. Uh, geez, I don't even remember. Like last month, earlier this year, I'm pretty sure it was this year, and not for for uh, four million years ago, before the dark times that we're in now. But uh, super again, a movie that's super dark and intense, and uh, not at all for children. But did you um, did you have any any other choices? Which was wizard magic that you wanted to bring up while we're on the topic? Not really. I think we've, <laughs> okay. I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> cool. I know we did talk about a couple other things. I know that we we did bring up in our chat that we wanted to at least throw uh, a shout out or shade to. Uh, we did mention <laughs> we did mention the Blair Witch Project, which I still honestly haven't seen because it seemed dumb what? to me as a kid, and I, everything I've heard about it since then reinforces that. And I've asked Kai, I'm like, did you see that? She's like, yeah. I'm like, was it any good? She's like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> good to know i don't need to waste it's like my time the, it's the greatest april fool's joke it of is. hollywood <laughs> it is it really is the fact that that it, it's worth mentioning because it is technically a witch movie and because it was i don't know if it's still one of the most profitable productions of all time but it was made for basically nothing and earned i don't know 100 and something 120 million or something like that domestically like some insane number considering that it's three people with a camera in the woods uh it kicked off a whole phenomenon and everything. Uh, but like, yeah, like you said, the way that, that was marketed at the very dawn, the very like 
advent of the internet becoming more popularized would everybody like even when that so that came out 99 i think i was just now at that point starting to get into you know aol keywords and all that other crap uh chat rooms and shit like that in in the late 90s uh but yeah i did not see it did you see blair witch project when it came out and what were your i guess what are your thoughts i i did see it um not when it first came out but a little bit later and you know i it was touted almost like it was a documentary and people legit believed, I mean, it's been several years now, so spoiler, um, people legit believed that the characters in the movie were actually dead. And the people that were, that were, um, uh, in the film had to sign paperwork that they would not try to do any roles for a while because they really wanted to carry out the illusion that these people were killed in this crockumentary that we were led to believe was legit. And, you know, there was there was a an era about it or an uh, about it that that was like, is it real? Is it fake? Is it a hoax? Like you couldn't really completely tell. You have to see it for yourself. Yeah, you see it for yourself. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like whenever you did find out that these actors are full, you know, are alive and well, it almost made me mad. Like, OK, then why did they let this this uh, belief continue for so long that these people were actually dead? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, would you have preferred to know for to to have it confirmed after the fact that you had just watched a snuff film? Like, what is what is the alternative? Don't make the movie. <laughs> don't watch the movie. I don't know. Well, that's see, that's what I've opted for the last twenty years. See. Yeah, I mean, I guess the truth is there's no there's no good way to handle it, um, especially since, like I said, the marketing of it seemed to be that they wanted it to feel like it was real. But the fact that we didn't find out till much, much later whether or not it was real, that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. there's there's something to be said about that, too, that there was a a backlash of sorts with a lot of people feeling that way, like kind of Kind well, of, and something like that could never work out today because right. what, what what's going to happen as soon as a film like that comes out, they're going to have a Facebook fan page of everybody trying to figure out where the hell these people are, <laughs> if they're legit dead, you know, they're, they're it, and it'll turn into a life of its own. So I guess the only time they could have done something like that was back then, but I, I don't see something like that being successful today. Yeah, no, I, that was exactly the point I was going to make that it because the internet was about to explode that it literally yeah. is like, oh, we got to get this. I, I don't know if you invented the term crockumentary, but I love that. So I hope that that is. No, I didn't it, coin that. I stole it. <laughs> that's good. That's really cool. I like it. Um, I, you know, they think they were like the windows closing. The internet's about to blow up. We need to get this movie out now uh, because yeah, you're Let's right. Pull if the they wool did over their eyes immediately. <laughs> exactly. If they did it now, all the actors would have uh, Twitter accounts, and it would be you know and IMDb pages. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It would never happen. Um, so I, I did make sure we we threw out Blair Witch. Uh, literally threw it out because it's apparently. Uh, a uh, because shit. it's garbage because yeah. it's garbage <laughs> and um i wanted to tip the hat to i know i said i was keeping fantasy worlds out of it but the harry potter franchise which coincidentally enough this year we're focusing on releasing an episode on each of the harry potter movies uh starting in hopefully by the time you hear this the first one will be up i still have to edit it uh, but that will be up uh by the end the 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 last hours of march probably um and then go every month going forward we we're gonna have an episode on every uh film in that franchise so that'll well, at be least some of the at least some of the harry potter movies do, does have or they do have um clean pranks in them <laughs> they do they do they have a whole uh joke shop full of, yes. of the clean pranks 
and uh, fireworks that turn into dragons and all kinds of crazy shit. But yeah, those yeah. are those are that's a really fun and uh, a really fun magic franchise in general. And it, it it has that element of kind of the best children's or family stories where it's starts in the real world and then it kind of ushers you into the magical world, sort of like Wizard of Oz and things like that. So there's the element of you know uh, of every manness to. Harry Potter, where, you know, he just gets plucked out of this and realizes he's got this legacy. And I don't need to tell people what Harry Potter is about, obviously. But uh, but yeah, so that's I, I we had to I wouldn't feel comfortable mentioning magic and wizards and w- witches and stuff without throwing Harry Potter out there, especially since it tied so nicely into this year's theme. So that is your theme of, of 2020 is Harry Potter. 2020 is the franchise we're doing. So last year, because the Rise of Skywalker comes coming out in December, I randomly one of the people that i wanted to have on the show picked the phantom menace and it was like lining up perfectly to happen i think in may so i counted out the the months and i had already done a uh, force awakens episode with kai that i just kind of basically reposted and and you know kind of re-edited a little bit and that ended up perfectly fitting into the rest of 2019 so now i was like well every year we should do one episode a month focusing on uh, a different movie in a franchise. So last year was Star Wars, this year all Harry Potter. Next year I have a few ideas, but we'll see we'll see how that goes. And it, and it kind of uh, gives the line a little bit of a through line. And I think this year so far the way 2020 is going, we could all use a little uh, a little escape to Hogwarts. Yes, absolutely, but I will say, you know, just as a personal favor to me, I wouldn't get mad at all if you did not include anything from Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> oh no, I'm not I'm stopping with Harry Potter. Yeah. No, I Good, don't want anything I can't to do with stand. Those. I, Kai and I saw the first one and we were like, well, that wasn't very good at all. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the only thing, the most the thing I remember the most is that I think after we saw it, uh, it was in Hyde Park here in, in, uh, in Tampa, we went to Goody Bur- Goody Goody Burger. And I think that was the most memorable part of the day was the burger. This, the movie I've kind of forgotten mostly about, except for like scary pasty faced uh, Johnny Depp at the end. So yeah. I still haven't seen the second one and I don't really have any interest in doing it. And I think when I brought this up on Facebook, before that I was doing Harry Potter, I think people were like, don't do Fantastic Beasts. And I was like, no, 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 it's no, we're not doing that. That's uh, that's like doing Star Wars and then doing the, the Ewok movies or something like that. We're <laughs> not going that far. Good. <laughs> um, so is there anything else about magic or April Fool's or any of this that we want to you want to mention or throw out there? It doesn't have to be a movie choice just on this theme. I just want to say that if you are going to prank anybody, make sure it's in good humor. Don't be a jerk. Don't do something mean. Just You're six be feet nice away and, the whole time. Yeah, six feet away and be nice and wash your hands. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we could all use a little magic. So hopefully, you know, people listening to this, uh, I uh, echo what Ashley just said. Also, uh, stay inside. Let's, let's try and get this, get over this as soon as possible and get back to enjoying uh, the, the rest of the world outside. In the meantime, good opportunity for people like Ashley to start podcasts. So if you want to join, uh, join this podcast and, and talk movies with me or, or reach out to either of us on social media, Ashley, where can people find you? I am famous Ashley Grant on all over social. And that's the, the bloggy friends show. Uh, you said bloggyfriends.com. 
bloggyfriends.com. Yep. Awesome. So definitely go look for Ashley's first episode, which will be up by the time this episode posts, putting her on the spot there. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, share, and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, the famous Ashley Grant, thank you so much for coming back on here for, I guess, the fourth time. See, now I have to do research and find out what that other time was. Uh, yeah, I gotta, I, I've got to look up my uh, my archives too. But, uh, but thanks for that, Rob Fox. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. And we'll have to uh, figure out what we're going to talk about next time. Uh, maybe another themed one, maybe a movie. We'll have to let me let me know. And if you ever want uh, want me on your show, we could do some kind of a crossover event or something like that and uh, and put that together. Yes, I'm in. I'm awesome. going to hold you to that. Awesome. I'm going to hold you to that. I got the recording. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. If you're interested in joining me on the show to chat about one of your favorite films, head on over to crookedtable.com slash guest. Or you can consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash crookedtable. Of course, you can always find more podcasts, reviews, videos, and other movie-related goodies over at crookedtable.com. Until next time, this has been the Crooked Table Podcast, and I've been Rob. This has been a production of crookedtable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED. Ha 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 ha